0: Hello, everybody, and welcome. I am Rachel Levy-Lesser. And I am
1: Stephanie Goldstein, and this is Life's Accessories, a podcast about accessories, clothing, fashion, and the stories behind them.
0: We are two friends who love to accessorize and who remember what we wore on pretty much every meaningful occasion, and that is what we so love to talk about. You can follow us on
1: Instagram at Life's Accessories Podcast and also on Facebook, You can also email us at lifesaccessoriespodcast at gmail.com with questions, comments, or accessory suggestions.
0: And if you like what you're listening to, we would love it for you to share this podcast with a friend and to like it, rate us, review us, and don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. Well, today we are excited to welcome another Rachel. Yes. Rachel's Barenbaum. I don't you know. You can it's never funny. have too many Rachels, right? Stephanie, I don't know if you're like me, but when I was growing up, there was always like seven Rachels and it would be like Rachel L, Rachel B. Were there a lot of Stephanie's?
1: No, there weren't. But when people couldn't remember my name, people, I was always called Jennifer and there were lots oh, of Jennifers. Jennifer, so, Jennifer, yes. Julie, Amy. Yes. Now everybody's yeah. Chloe and Now Bill. everyone's
0: right. Love those <laughs> names, by the way. Yeah. Seven <laughs> Apple. Anyway. Rachel <laughs> Barenbaum. Rachel B. If we went to school together, she would be Rachel B and I would be There Rachel you go. L. There you go. Um so I actually it's funny, I know her as OG Rachel because we've been working together the last few years on a Mighty Blaze, which is a very cool organization that connects writers and readers and Rachel Baramboum started working for the organization before I did, hence OG Rachel and new Rachel. Rachel B interviews authors who are debut authors and I interview authors about their cookbooks. But Stephanie, I would love it if you would read her official bio, wow. and not just the little jibber jab that I yes, have about how I know ab-
1: Absolutely. Well, the, the OG Rachel's the author of Atomic Anna, which was released in 2022 and is Rachel's second novel. The New York Times Book Review said it was masterfully plotted, and the LA Review of Books called it propulsive and intimate. Rachel's debut, A Bend in the Stars, was named a New York Times summer reading selection and a Barnes & Noble Discover Great New Writers selection. Wow. Rachel is a prolific writer and reviewer. Her work has appeared in Harper's Bazaar, the LA Review of Books, and more. She is a scholar-in-residence at the Hadassah Brandeis Institute at Brandeis University, and her podcast, Check This Out, is sponsored by the Howe Library and A Mighty Blaze. She has degrees from Harvard in business and literature and philosophy, and she is an elected town meeting member in Brookline, Massachusetts.
0: Not too shabby, that. not too I know. shabby. Brookline, not too far from you. No, exactly. Almost I mean, neighbors. I feel like Rachel, and I'm not talking about myself in the third person, I'm talking about <laughs> Rachel Baird <Bams, laughs> is really a bit of a Renaissance woman, and we're going to have so much to talk to her about. Hello, Rachel, and welcome to the
2: podcast. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Rachel. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. A little confusing because there's two
1: Rachels. I know, I know. (laughs) Rachel B and Rachel L. So um, we'll we'll keep the two distinct. So Rachel, we're so happy to have you, but uh, tell us, this is the burning question of the day. What item, what accessory do you want to share with us today?
2: I love this show. I love this idea so much. So um, today I am bringing to you a tiny little ring that I won. It's super tiny, but it is actually a national championship ring that I won back in college uh, when I was on the varsity squash team at Harvard. And um I played on the team for three years and all three years, we won this national championship. Um, And so when I got this ring, it was, was a pretty big moment. So I'm really excited to share it with you guys. I think I've
0: told you this before, Rachel B, but um, I guess I should just call you Rachel. Um, but I actually one of the things we have in common, among many other things, is that I actually played squash in college. I only played for a year, but I played for a couple years in high school. Um, and I never won a championship, and I never won a championship ring, but I think it's like a funny thing to connect over because squash is not the most well-known, it's not like you know, basketball or soccer or anything like that. So but it is a really cool sport. And I just kind of wanted to ask you um, about the role that sports has played in your life, both kind of growing up in college and even now.
2: Yeah. So um, I love that you also played squash. I did remember that, of course. Um, Two Rachels who played squash. Amazing. (laughs) Right. And 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 a Stephanie who didn't. So yeah, there you no, go. Yeah. We might've been the only two Rachel's playing squash yeah. back not, then.
0: not a, um, a sport of our people. And I should, no. play, I should say, I should say that I played a pen. So I know we played Harvard back in the day, but yeah,
2: uh, yeah.
0: maybe we uh, met.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, the thing is, um, so squash, when I played, I was playing in the nineties, I took it up in ninth grade because I didn't want to play basketball. And I just really didn't want to. It was a requirement at my high school that we play, you know, three sports a year. So I picked up squash and I had played a little tennis. um, And so, and I played a lot of sports, I should say. Sports in general were my life. I loved them. I feel like Title IX made my childhood, right? Because really we were, I was sort of the tail end of the first generation of women to go through and have sports open to me. So I picked up a squash racket. um, And I don't know, I guess it was, it's it just, it was a super fun game and I loved it. And it's so funny because one of the most memorable games of my life was, um, that ninth grade game where I played to get onto the JV team. So you play challenge matches, right? Okay. And in high school, the top seven were, um, JV and then there was varsity, um, Maybe it was actually, we only had varsity. I can't remember. All I know is I was playing for number seven, right? To make the team. And I was playing this kid, this other girl. And and we came down and it was a tiebreaker. And it was so close, right? And it was so much fun. And I won and I made the team. And it was just this moment of like pure exhilaration. And and, and like, I can do this, right? I can play this sport, um, and so I played a lot of squash in high school, and then um I ended up being pretty good by senior year. Um, and I walked onto the Harvard team, and I thought I was a pretty good player, but I was the bottom of Harvard <laughs>
1: City, same. Right? Yeah, hey, someone has to be there. That's yeah. important.
2: But it was the same thing. Yeah. I had that challenge match, right? Yeah, and I made the team, I made varsity, and it was just like it was amazing. It was an amazing feeling. And, and it's just one that I, I think is so important for everybody, but girls, especially to have yeah. this, the you can do this moment. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you Rachel, you mentioned title nine and in Hi- Harper's Bazaar last summer, you wrote a really terrific piece about the sports bra and title nine and sports women in sports and girls. And tell us about what inspired you to write that. And for our listeners, we will link to the article because it's really, really well done. And and an important piece, I think.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for reading that. I loved writing that. So I realized that we're coming up on um, the anniversaries of Title IX and the sports bra, (laughs) right? And they go together, right? Because we couldn't really, women couldn't play sports with boobs, right? Like big boobs, they hurt, they get in the way. And right, as someone with big boobs, like, right? I mean, back when I was just starting out within the sports bra, it didn't matter. But now, like, I couldn't run without a sports bra um and and so I just wanted to talk about these anniversaries because there was right the the title nine came forward and all of a sudden women were able to play in college and compete right at super high levels but we couldn't just all of a sudden, like it didn't just click like the equipment needed to come on right. And locker rooms and, um, uniforms needed to change. And we're still working on so much of that. Right. If you look at pictures from the NCAA basketball tournament from, I think last year or two years ago, you saw the women's weight room versus the men's, right. There's Mm -hmm. not equality yet, but it had to, we had to get there. And the sports bra, I think was what really started it and enabled that, you know, enabled us to play. So, felt like it was really important. And, uh, I was super excited that Harper's published that piece.
0: That was a really cool piece. And of course, when I read it, I kept thinking about Brandy Chastain. Remember when she took off her shirt and yeah, right? I mean, that was like yeah, iconic. And I think, um, I mean, someone like my daughter who's 16 now probably takes the sports bar for granted for sure. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: my daughter doesn't even remember the first time she got one. She's been wearing a sports bra since she was like, I want to say eight, because you would right. put it on under those really big, you know, she didn't need it, but you'd put it under a big tank right. top. It's like <laughs> right. interchangeable now with a
0: regular bra. Exactly. Here we go. The bra exactly. is another accessory here. There you have it. Well, if I can pivot a little bit from squash rings and sports bras, um, I'm so curious. You, you wear many hats as so many of us do these days from being a prolific writer and a reader, you host a podcast like us um and you're involved um in local politics also you um I'm giving a little bio here you coach i know sports for your kids And I know from your bio that you, after going to Harvard, you also went to Harvard Business School and then you worked in finance. So I am really curious to know, and I'm sure our listeners will be curious to know how you made this pivot from, I'll say a more traditional career in finance to a more creative career, if I could say, as a writer and a podcaster and all these other things that you do.
2: Yeah. Um, So I have always been a writer and I've just always been writing. I mean, I can't remember a time when I wasn't writing stories Uh, You know, from like little, little, as soon as I could write them. Um, And in college, I took every creative writing course I could. And I just wanted to write novels, but Mm. I couldn't afford it. I just couldn't when I graduated. Um, And, you know, I, I got pulled into finance to pay down loans And at night, I was still always writing novels, and on weekends. And um, for those of you that are writers, you know, there's this process, like you write the book, you pour your soul into every page, and then you have to find an agent. And so you start the process that's called querying. Right. And so I queried. Right. I'm supposed to be like running this hedge fund and working in finance and I really don't (laughs) want to read any of these like earnings reports. And I, I just like I dreaded doing that kind of work. Instead, I wanted to be writing my novel. And so I'm sending out query letters. And I got, um, I think I queried three or four novels before my first one hit. Um, and I had hundreds of rejections. So it wasn't like I woke up one day and said, hey, I'm going to be a writer. Right? I mean, I've been right. trying it for years and years and years until I finally found my agent and then sold the book that became A Bend in the Stars.
1: So. so so talk to, I mean, what an incredible journey. So you wrote A Bend in the Stars. That was your award-winning debut novel, which I think was published in 2019, um, and it's been described critically as acclaimed. critically, critically acclaimed. acclaimed. Okay. All the light we cannot see meets the Nightingale in this literary World War One era novel, an epic love story of a brilliant young, young doctor who races against Einstein to solve one of the universe's great mysteries. So what inspired you to write that story? <laughs>
2: Um, I love that you're asking about Bend in the Stars. So, again, it was like my fourth novel. Okay. Um, and <laughs> so wow. My first, like fourth that I queried. That you query. Okay. So, let's, for okay. our listeners,
0: let's let that sink in. Rachel wrote, this was yeah. her fourth This was the first book that was published, but it was the fourth book that she wrote. So, there yeah. you go. And queried, because I wrote, queried, I wrote books
2: before that, right? Like okay. high school, college. And no one will ever see those. And that's probably best. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes, Or is it? I don't know. Or <laughs> is it? No, you do not want to see those. You really don't. Um, so, I mean, uh, I was reading an issue of uh, Scientific American, and uh let's see that was in uh 2014 i think i was reading it and it said 100 years ago this month einstein was just on the verge of uh you know solving relativity or proving relativity he just needed to get a picture physical evidence and he had to go to this eclipse that was going to be happening in russia but uh war started and so he never made it and um you know and so at like you know, it took another two years or whatever it was until relativity was actually proven with a photograph. And I just thought, what if someone made it to Russia and got that photograph? And, uh, so I wrote the book going from there. That, that was what inspired it. Scientific American. Wow.
0: That is amazing. (laughs) I mean, I first got a little side note for our listeners. I know Rachel sort of offline through some of the work we've done to promote, um, books and authors. And I think I first learned about you when I was listening to another podcast where you were interviewed about Bend in the Stars, which was 2019, which I mean, now it's 2023, that actually was four years ago, but in a way it kind of feels like yesterday. So I'm sure it's been a wild ride since then. Did you then... After that book came out, start immediately working on Atomic Anna, which I know came out in 2022. And I actually met you in person when I first came to your book launch last year at Brookline (laughs) Bookspace, which was so much fun. It was amazing. Atomic Anna, that was such a fun night.
2: It was. Thanks for coming. I loved it. Rachel and I had been in touch for like two years, right? Because of COVID, we never saw each other in person. Um, Yeah, I mean, so I wrote, uh, writing is this funny thing. There's a lot of, hurry up and then waiting. Right. Mm. So I would drafted, you know, I would go through a bend in the stars with my editor and I would do all these edits and then I would send it off to her at grand central and wait <laughs> and wait. And you have like months of waiting for your editor to reply or like weeks. Right. <laughs> and, to get that to you. and you're checking your spam just to make sure that you <laughs> haven't heard anything. Right. Right. So you do that. <laughs> and I started my new book. So while I was editing A Bend in the Stars, I wrote Atomic Anna*, and Atomic Anna* sold actually the night before Bend in the Stars published. Like literally oh I got God. the phone call wow. the night
0: before. Yeah, wow. it was amazing. That was a good night. Yeah,
2: that was a good night. <laughs> 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 I was so, you know, it's so scary the night before you publish a book or the whole month before <laughs> you're waiting. Like, is anyone going to buy yeah. it? Are you going to review it? Is anyone going to like it? Um, am I going to have another book? So that was a pretty big, pretty big moment.
0: So what inspired you to write Atomic Anna? Like, was there a story behind that? Like with, a uh, Bend in the Stars?
2: Yeah. So, um, I grew up with these two great aunts, uh, who came to my house all the time. My grandmother herself, their sister died when I was really young. And so her sisters were sort of became our grandmothers, <laughs> right. And they yeah. were there all the time. And, um, I, I remember the night that we uh, heard about Chernobyl. Um, they were there and we we were watching the news and we sat down and this was back in the day when you had to like, you know, go and turn on the TV by hand mm-hmm, and adjust mm-hmm. the antenna. And so, and I loved my aunts very, very much, but they were, they were very big and imposing. And, you know, they took up like, two thirds of the couch, and I had a little seat squished between them. Right. And, and I love them. And, um, the anchor and news anchor starts talking about what happened in the Soviet union and Chernobyl melts down and, you know, thousands of people could die maybe as the radiation fallout comes hundreds of thousands, millions. Mm-hmm. And it was just this horrific accident. And, uh, I remember my one aunt turns to the other and she says, you know, if a woman had been in charge, this wouldn't have happened. (laughs) I just sort of have them in my head saying that for years and years. And so then I came to Atomic Anna and I was like, I want to write about Chernobyl and a woman who was in charge. And then um, I came to this idea of what if the woman in charge could build a time machine and go back to stop Chernobyl? Should she do it? And so that's what Atomic Anna is about, but it's also really about the relationships of mother, daughter, grandmother, right? The love and the bonds. And if you have this awesome responsibility of this, this, Mm -hmm. to create something like a time machine or a weapon or a power plant, should you do it? So
1: what's, what's happening next? What are you, what are you up to next?
2: (laughs) So uh, right now I'm a uh, scholar in residence at Brandeis, at the Hadassah Brandeis Institute. And I'm there working on a book that I'm calling lady killers but mm. i will say that every title i have ever had gets slashed uh, and changed. i
1: think that's a
0: great ki- uh, title like a keep. Good title that's a can you tell us a little a bit keeper. what it, yeah
2: can you tell us a little
0: bit what Let's it's see. about now or
2: no. Yeah, yeah, so it's okay. about, um, it's based on four real life women who worked in 1880s Russia to uh, assassinate the czar. And so one was the bomb maker, one was the woman who planted the bomb, one ran the safe house, and one planned the whole thing. And in, in history, they're like, you know, little footnotes, little side uh-huh. notes, like, oh, and by the way, this woman ran the safe house where all this happened. And then you hear all about the men, right? And it's like, and by the way, this is the woman who built the bomb, but let's talk about the men. <laughs> and and when I was reading that and I saw that I was like what do you mean oh by the way a woman did that like I need to write a book about these women but there's so little information it has to be fiction it can't be non right so, so it's going to be a novel I feel
0: like you have this um connection to a lot of powerful women both in your past and also your characters and I find it so interesting for many reasons, but also because for today's podcast, you chose to talk about this, um, this ring that you won as playing on for playing, I should say on a women's, um, squash team, a women's sports team. So, um, can you talk a little bit about how, what, what kind of, I guess, what being a strong woman means to you, um, and sort of some of the strong women in your past and, um, you know, maybe some of your work, I think you coach your daughter's basketball team. Is that right? Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah Can I you did. talk
0: sort of about that <laughs> a little bit? Cause obviously it's a big part of your life.
2: Yeah. I mean, I just think that there, um, I know historically in my family, in my instance, right. Women have more opportunities than we have ever had in history Um, But we still need to keep fighting for them. And it's hard to fight for opportunity if you don't have examples of what you could be, right? If you can't dream it, you can't always do it. Uh, So I like to write these stories about these strong, powerful women that I want to see in the world. Uh Um, And I want to see these stories and who they were and how they got there. And it's easy to look at a hero, right, as this fancy, shiny a finished product, but there are so many ups and downs along the way. And I think little girls in particular need to realize that, right? It, it's never a straight line to winning or to, you know, being a hero. And so I love to write those stories with those ups and downs and showing what it takes. So,
1: and, and going back to that, that moment when the squash team won the national championship, can you bring us back to that? What it felt like, um, because talk about an accomplishment, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So you know, I want
1: to, I want to hear about that.
2: Yeah. I mean, also, but I feel like we're going to travel in a time machine. Yeah. <laughs> like Anna Bercoba <laughs> from my right, book. Right. right. Wait, what year was that? The year of the national championship? Uh, so let's see. We won in 95, 96 and 97. Okay. Nice. So, that was
0: my era too. The 90s. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Nice. Right. Nice. Back when you wore those pleated, <laughs> Uh, squash skirts that to me now look so uncomfortable because now, you know, they were almost like a a real kilt. Now it's like, they're almost like, you know, shorts and the fabric is so much more comfortable. It seems to be.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Actually. So one of the things that I talk about in the Harper's Bazaar is I had to wear this pleated squash skirt and finding something to wear under it was really hard. Right. So you weren't exposed. Exactly. They didn't have
0: there weren't all those varieties for the young girls listening to this today of all the spandex shorts or, you know, that kind of stuff. There was
2: nothing. There was like this old fashioned tennis undies. Oh my God. (laughs) It
0: was like a girdle.
2: Yeah. It was a girdle. A girdle with pockets. Yes. And (laughs) pockets for like, you know, tennis balls. And when you dove <laughs> the ball, like your whole skirt would come up and right. your whole tushies exposed. And an errant <laughs> ruffle, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it was humiliating. Like, like I hated those skirts. Oh, oh. my God. Um, but back to the moment. Okay. So people yeah. who play squash today probably won't even believe this or realize how bad it was because now they're like hundreds of kids playing squash in draws and tournaments yeah. are like, hundreds of kids and there are all these levels. And back then it really wasn't such a popular sport. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could like walk onto the varsity team,
0: right? right, right, right yes. <laughs> That's why I played in college. <laughs> exactly. Like it
1: was a very different <laughs> times era. have changed. Yes.
2: Right. Changed. And um, so that first year in 95, we played for the national championship at Yale okay. and Yale hadn't redone their courts. So we were still playing on hardball courts. The first half of the season was hardball. And the second of half was softball. I, I mean, people those. might yeah. not even remember hardball. Rachel does. Yes. yes. I'm a couple Um, years
0: older than you and in high school too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So we played hardball for the first half. And so we were playing softball and um, I was the bottom of the ladder. And so I didn't get one of the premier courts, right? I'm like down the hall to the left and then you go on these tiny little wooden (laughs) courts and, uh, I remember this so well, instead of like these fancy balconies and everything. Now there is just like a platform and there was actually a ping pong table and there are these guys playing ping pong, (laughs)
0: right? The guys can't even be bothered to watch the girls play sports. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, Yeah. There's a ping pong table. And because I'm the bottom, there's like no one paying attention, but (laughs) everybody in the ladder gets one point. And to win, okay. right. You have to have yeah. five points. So here I am with the ping pong table, but my point is just as important as number one. Yeah. Right. There's yeah. no difference at the end of the day in the score. So think about that. Right. Right. Isn't that right. crazy? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. So literally I, my other teammates, so we played like you switch nine and 10 switch off, you share a court. Um, and so my other teammate had to like, you know, push out the ping pong players <laughs> to be like, you cannot play this is a really big match. Like we need to win. <laughs> oh my God. So um, luckily I think it was a very fast match. Um, Harvard was very good. And um, so, you know, like I played at the bottom, I might've been higher on the Yale ladder, let's say. So it was a very fast match. And then my teammate also won, and then we could go watch the others play. Cause the one, the number one match was what dragged on and on and yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So Then when she won, um, I think it was, you know, whenever we got that fifth point and we knew right. we punched it, it was just so. Like...
1: But for us non squash players, how long is a match?
0: To oh, there's some game? people that don't play squash.
2: Exactly. <laughs> this isn't a niche market. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to say my match was probably only a half an hour. Like it was very fast. are quick. It's a fast okay. moving game. Okay. Yeah. But I'm, but like number one, if it's a really well, it looks terrifying. Match, it looks completely a, terrifying. Yeah. But Frankly. if it's a tight match, it could be a full hour. You could play okay. an hour and a okay. half. And they schedule courts, you know, for one hour increments usually. So Okay. Okay yeah
0: that's very very (laughs) fun to time travel do you still wear the ring today like do you wear it in your daily life or would that be kind of weird does it does it fit like I I don't even know yeah yeah, like
2: no it doesn't fit and what does it say
0: what does it say on
1: it does it have you know gems like tell us more about it (laughs) gems
2: I know it's actually precious stones yeah Yeah. it's really tiny and the men won that year too and I think they got bigger rings oh of course yeah yeah, I I I
1: was wondering about that I know
2: I, it is 14 karat gold. So it might've been worth the same, but uh, the actual size, I don't know. I don't know those details, but the size is small. So it's kind of like a pinky ring and it has the Harvard crest on it with two squash rackets. And then it has the year and then it has my name engraved on it. Um, That's very cool.
0: That's awesome. I love that you still have it. And that when we emailed you ahead of time, sort of, this is how the the sausage is made um, Mm -hmm. to ask you about what you were going to talk about, you know, and you came back with this, this championship squash ring. I was like, that is so cool. It's so different. It's so much fun to talk about. Yeah. Um, Can we time travel back to the future right now and talk (laughs) a little bit about your podcast, check this out and tell us about what you're doing there and some of the cool things you've done so far and any, maybe tease some upcoming guests that you have coming on.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for asking. Um, My podcast, check this out, was picked up by the Howe Library in Hanover, New Hampshire, Mm -hmm. uh, right on the edge of Dartmouth's campus there. And it is really focused on bringing new and diverse voices to the upper valley, to patrons, right, of the Howe Library. And it's amazing, the Howe is just incredible. They're sponsoring the whole thing and bringing in authors and it's incredible. And I've been able to bring voices to, you know, the Howe Library and beyond that otherwise aren't necessarily heard as much. So uh, this season, the Spring Literary Series, as we're calling it, I have some pretty exciting guests lined up. Not all of them have confirmed, so we'll see who's coming on, but these are the new and diverse voices that I am super excited about for our Mm. Spring Literary Series. So there's Imposter Syndrome with Patricia Park. Uh, Pineapple Street with Jenny Jackson. She's a very famous editor, and this is uh-huh. her debut novel. Nice. So I'm super excited to talk to her about that. I mean, she's edited like some of the mega authors that you know. What happened to Ruthie Ramirez? Um, by Claire Jimenez. I'm super excited about this book. It was so good. Um, Chain Gang All Stars. Uh, I, am not sh- exactly sure how to pronounce this author's name and I don't want to slaughter it, but it's okay. uh, Nana Kwame Brenya, I believe, but Chain Gang All-Stars. It just that was looks pretty amazing. Good. Yeah, I'm hoping. And then Priya Guns, Your Driver is Waiting. This book is super fun too.
0: Nice. Wow. Nice. That's cool. How do you yeah. make time to read all the books and do all your writing and the podcasts and all that you do?
2: Um, I'm a super fast reader. Yeah. And I just love books. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I just, Yeah. I've always been a fast reader and devour books. Yeah. So.
1: And, and when you're writing, do you, is there a time of day? Is it throughout the day? Is there a favorite place you like to be when you're writing?
2: I write in the morning when, mm-hmm. basically when my kids go to school, I yeah. sit down and then I'm usually at my computer. I take a lunch break, but I'm here until like four. Wow.
0: Wow. Very disciplined. We like I, that. Exactly. Exactly. But
2: I think we've learned that from sports right? At least I did. Yeah. You have to yes. show up. You have to, if you're not going to be on the court or on the track every day, putting in your miles, putting in your reps, right? You you're know, right. It's hundred percent. You have to put in
0: the time. It's like 10,000 hours, or I think that's the number. It sort Whatever of-
2: it is. I mean, I took, like, I talked to my daughter and the kids when I'm coaching too. I was like, I had to hit a hundred shots on the squash court from six different places every yeah. single day. Right. Wow you do yeah. drop shots right on the, tee yeah, yes. the way in the back, right? Left side, forehand, backhand yeah, every right. single day, a hundred. And that's a minimum. So
0: a- yeah, go ahead. I was going it's, to say, it's funny that you're talking about squash too. We're talking about your sports and kids in sports. Cause we had on a guest not long ago, Nina Badzin, who's also a writer and a podcaster. She has a podcast about friendship and her accessory that she talked about was a tennis racket which I didn't know was an accessory, but it is. And it was about how she played tennis as a kid, but then she got back into it as an adult and, you know, went from there. So it is interesting, these emotional connections that we have to sports.
2: Yeah. But also it's, and it's easy to look at someone who wins like an Olympic medal or something and think, oh, they just must have a natural talent, but maybe they do, but what they really have is a commitment to showing up and practicing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So how does your daughter like you as a coach?
2: (laughs) She'd be much happier with someone else. (laughs) So I actually wrote about it in the Harper's Bazaar. I know. I know you, you stepped up where others did not. Right. Yeah, so I volunteered because there was no no women were volunteering, and it was an all girls program, yeah. and it was a gym full of teenage girls right. and men evaluating them. So I think she'd much rather have a woman who played a varsity basketball coaching her. But you know, right? Definitely,
0: right. that was one thing that I took away that story from the article a lot because I have a boy and a girl who've played sports their whole lives, and. It's true. I mean, until you brought it up, I never really thought about in that way. For the boys teams, most of the coaches are dads, which makes sense. But for the girls teams, most of the coaches are dads and you know, good for you for stepping up. We need to see more, um, female coaches. I remember one time when my son played baseball, which was a long time ago, he's long since retired from baseball. The two dads that were the coaches couldn't make it. So me and another mom stepped in and we were like (laughs) in the dugout. I was like, should I be chewing tobacco? Um, but it was really fun.
2: So yeah, I think all the, the moms,
0: um, should step up to to coach their kids sports. I think that'd be really fun. Exactly. I mean, if
2: if they don't see women coaching, right. And, and teaching you how to play sports, how can they imagine girls making varsity teams, right. Or breaking records or doing amazing new things. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Well, Rachel, this has been so much fun. Tell us about where our listeners can follow you and learn more about you.
2: Stephanie, Rachel. I love this. Thank you. Time just flew past. I know, Thank you so I know. much for having me. You can find me uh, on my website at rachelbarenbaum.com. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook and I'm on Insta. You can find all those links at my website and please buy my books, Atomic Anna and in the Star. We will we will link yeah. to them
0: for sure. Atomic Anna. I, I'm going yeah. to go about one more question. Are
2: you Do you have um, events coming up for Atomic Anna? Uh, yeah, so my paperback actually releases on March 7th. and oh, nice. we, Good. Yes. We'll be celebrating that at the Brookline Booksmith. And I hope anybody listening will come. uh, Rachel and Stephanie, I hope you guys will come. Rachel, I will, I say, I'm going to
1: write that down.
2: Yes, March yeah, 7th. Maybe I'll 7 come PM. up then. That'd be yes. fun. That's
0: great. That's really good to know. I'm sure you're going to have a fun paperback tour.
2: Yeah, it'll be really yeah. fun.
0: All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We really loved it. And thank you to our listeners for um, tuning in. Thank you.